Hi, everyone. I hope this finds you in good health and uh, secure. And if not, let's work on improving that, okay? Uh, thank you, as always, for your support. Liking and subscribing is a Bodhisattva act. It helps grow this Sangha, this channel, this resource. So, very simple thing to do, but a lot of a great effect, okay? Um, and as for all the other patrons and, uh, and patronage of either uh, buying ebooks or mandalas or just contribution, whether through Patreon or PayPal, all the links are in the descriptions. You know what to do. Thank you. Avatamsaka Sutra. A lot of people aren't familiar with that particular name, but as is the case with anything historical, especially Buddhism, or not especially, but certainly Buddhism, um, several different languages are involved. And so Avatamsaka is uh, a translation of, uh, I believe, Sanskrit Sutra. Uh, it's also known as the Flower Garland Sutra, or the, um, and don't mix that up with the Lotus Sutra. Um, yes, there's a flower involved, but um, it's a garland of flowers. And if you read it, you'll understand uh, the, the language of that sutra, uh, long and exhaustive, is brilliantly uh, visual with uh, all kinds of naming conventions for things. Known in Japanese as the Kigan Sutra, probably a more familiar name to you. The Avatamsaka Sutra is a voluminous Mahayana Buddhist text that some consider the most sublime revelation of the Buddha's teachings. Scholars value the text for its revelations about the evolution of thought from early Buddhism to fully developed Mahayana, which is a whole other subject I've talked about in uh, a little, touched on it in the forward to my uh, translation of the Lotus Sutra, the Threefold Lotus Sutra. Continuing, uh, the sutra, and this is from uh, Britannica, so uh, with very few exceptions, it's straight from Britannica's encyclopedia. The sutra speaks of the deeds of the Buddha and of their resulting merits that blossom from much like uh, a garland of flowers. There it is. The discourse begins with the Buddha's enlightenment, attended by an anthem chorus of bodhisattvas, Buddhas-to-be, and divine beings as numerous as the atoms of all the worlds. The follow, uh, what there follows, a great assembly in the palace of the god Indra, whom Buddha instructs, and similar assemblies in other celestial regions, accompanied by manifestations of great glory. In such settings, the Buddha teaches that all beings have the Buddha nature, that all phenomena are mutually originating and interdependent, and that finally, all is Buddha. Several versions of the text seems to have existed, one reputedly containing as many as a hundred thousand verses. A translation titled Huan Jing, or Hua Yang Jing, first appeared in China around 400 Common Era. There it gives rise to the 6th century to the Avatamsaka school, otherwise known as the Huayang or Huayang sect, a movement that reached its climax as the Qigong school 
in the 8th century of Japan. The text has also given rise to a large number of commentaries. So, um, that's the entry in the uh, second volume of uh, Buddhism Reference. What I will add to this, and you've heard me talk about this before, is uh, something I you've heard me say repeatedly if you've watched this channel for uh, any amount of time. So, some people who who haven't studied or don't know Buddhism, don't practice, have no reason they would know this. Uh, but the common assumption is that, if this assumption is even made, is that there's early Buddhists, and then there's these more modern Mahayana Buddhists, and the two aren't related. That somehow the early teachings are either a completely different school of Buddhism, not entirely incorrect, um, but that, and it, this happens a lot to initiates to the Lotus Sutra because of groups and sects and so forth, that the early teachings, all of the early teachings are wrong and that Shakyamuni Buddha didn't teach real Buddhism until much later in his life and that's real Buddhism. And, you know, this is, this is just more example of human avarice, greed, attachment, the very problem we're trying to break free of, yes? But what I've said many, many times, and you can go back and look at seven-year-old videos on this channel, and you can see me... Oh, I forgot my coffee, silly dude. Anyway. And I've said, Buddha never taught anything different. The only thing that changed over his 50 years or so of teaching in his life was his audience. And the teaching was oral. So it wasn't until hundreds of years after his death that it was started to show up as in written form. Well, who do you think wrote that? It wasn't Shakyamuni. None of it was Shakyamuni. But those who memorized and maybe took notes over centuries wrote down what they remembered and I don't doubt their memory and their skills and all of that. I don't want to impugn all of that. Certainly, the scholarship that went to, the, the, the fervor that went to capturing Shakyamuni's actual words was, was very sincere, right? But my point is, not so much to question the words, because Shakyamuni himself said, look, you should teach this to whatever the local language is, because this concept has to be inculcated by individuals. You can't force feed people enlightenment. They have to come to it. What I'm doing is instructing on how to get there. Methods for awakening your concept of mind, what it means to be a thinking being, who's doing the thinking. And once you discover that, how do you engage with it, with your actual process of living life, being? Right? Well, you can say that a thousand different ways. And he did. Through stories, analogies, and parables, and so on and so forth. Yes? So capturing those stories and parables was a great device to help these things spread authentically. But they were still spread by human beings. Not enlightened, right? At some stage of enlightenment, 
but certainly they would have their biases in these things. That's why I did my own translation of the Lotus Sutra, because every translation I've read has biases of religious cultures in it. And that doesn't belong in Buddhism. It's completely free of the idea of religion, right? It's a self-discovery, a mission for locating the way in which we construct life, ourselves, whatever that is, yes? To really experience the whole cosmos every moment of our being, because we're not static things. We're constantly in flux, changing, moving. We're momentum itself. Energies and momentum. Experiencing that, that's challenging. That's what Shakyamuni was teaching. That's the Dharma. Experiencing that is an opening of the, the eye, right? In the sentient mind. And from the very get-go, here we have a quote from Britannica Encyclopedia that in such settings, the Buddha teaches that all beings have the Buddha nature, the potential for enlightenment, the Buddha eye, that all phenomena are mutually originating and interdependent, and that finally, all is Buddha. I just got through talking about this. Right? that there's a universal Buddha, but that's not a person or a thing. It's a process, the engine of life. So what? Do you know what the oil in your car is doing right now? But what if in your mind, as you're driving down the road, you could, you could experience not just know, not just see, not just hear, not watch gauges, but a actually physically embodied experience of what's going on with that oil in your engine. Can you even imagine that? That's what we're talking about. No, not the oil in your engine. <laughs> right? How your mind perceives how do you know something, right? So the words that get used in the translations, Buddha knowledge, Buddha wisdom, prajna, it's about experiencing via the mind. All the physical aspects, that's samsara. That's what attaches us and impedes us, right? But from the very get-go, the first, remember Avatamsaka, Kigon, it's the first sermon uh, Buddha Shakyamuni offered after his enlightenment. Mm. When he came out of his samadhi, that was the first sermon he offered to, I think there were like five people there. And as you've heard me say many times, they probably were all like Cocker Spaniels going, huh? Because it was so voluminous and so beautiful and all of this. Okay, sounds great. Uh -huh. Right? Kind of like the oil's doing what? <laughs> they didn't have the, the tools, the, the ideas, the, the structures in their minds yet to be able to understand what Shakyamuni was talking about. So he had to back off, take them step by step, right? 
Does that mean that Kigan Sutra is superior to the Lotus Sutra? Hell no. It couldn't be because it couldn't reach the people that Shakyamuni was his whole life mission to give them the wherewithal to emancipate themselves from samsara. They didn't even understand what any of that was. The Lotus Sutra, after 40-some years of teaching, he offered as his own path that now you and I, ready to understand, ready to hear the stories and the elimination of previous you know, false or temporary goals he gave people to just get them to move along. Now, you can just do this. Here's a hammer. You know what a hammer does. They didn't. You know what a hammer does. Now, drive those nails, right? You go, okay, boom, boom, boom. You, do, you go and you do it. So the Lotus Sutra is that. It's an excellent hammer. It's an excellent yeah, break that glass ceiling uh, that, and see that Gohanzen portal in your mind and open that Buddha eye. It's really easy. Namo Myoho Rengekyo. Wow. Forget about decades of living in a monastery. That was just to get those people over the next hump of their inability to understand. And please forget about millennia and afterlives and reincarnation that's all a bunch of hoo-hoo that you learn from your culture and your families and that's religion buddhism is not that buddhism is actual experience right now and you can do it all right i threw in a little sermon along with that definition sorry about that Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support once again. Thank you for taking care of your health so that you can keep practicing, be strong, and I'll see you in the next one. All right? Bye for now.